So beyond having a great time then, what, what's the why uh, behind, what, what's behind all these things? What, what's the why of discipleship? Well, I want to speak this morning about um, three things that Jesus has uh, made us as Grace Church um, to be. And um, I suppose that's an important starting place, actually, that this, th- these things are who we are. This isn't about trying harder to become something. Actually, any change that happens in our life is about us living more truly in line with the identity that Jesus has um, already given us. Um, so the first one um, from, the, from the passage that we read is this, that quite simply, Jesus has made us to be disciples, who make disciples. It's a simple observation, isn't it? That Jesus is talking in this passage that, that Hazel read to us, uh, to the disciples, telling them to make disciples. And, and so also for us, there's, there's something ongoing about the process of discipleship, isn't there? That it doesn't end uh, with us. It's both input and output. It's a continual journey of following Jesus through the doors that he opens and stopping at the ones uh, that he shuts. And that's all a disciple is, really, a, a follower of Jesus. It, it literally means a learner. A disciple is just a learner. But it's not actually about le- just learning information. And it's important to know, otherwise that just sounds like some sort of education in a classroom thing, um, great as that is. Um, it, it's, it's more about being brought into a way of life. Discipleship is really an, an invitation to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Now, there's a South African theologian um, whose name is DJ Bosch, which I think sounds like the sort of person you'd find in a 1980s club night, right? Um, I looked him up. There is actually someone on SoundCloud that you can listen to called DJ Bosch. But I have a hunch that they are, in fact, two very different people. So the South African theologian, DJ Bosch, he, um, he says this. He says, it's important to recognize that for Matthew, teaching is by no means a merely intellectual enterprise. Jesus' teaching is an appeal to his listeners' will, not primarily to their intellect. It's a call for a concrete decision to follow him and to submit to God's will. Now, in New Testament times, disciples were just known as being students of Jewish rabbis. That that was the framework in which they they were understood um, at, at the time. And it to, to be a, a disciple was, was a very privileged position. It was something that you had to earn, something where you would already have had to demonstrate some competence in order to secure that position. It wasn't a widely available thing, which is why it's so shocking when Jesus rocks up and he comes to 12 very ordinary men and he simply says to them, come follow me, before they had done a thing. And just per Jesus' words, disciples in New Testament times, they would follow their teachers around everywhere, not just studying the points of law that they taught, but observing and imitating their whole way of life and thus becoming like them. They learned their teacher's yoke, as it were. That is the thing that holds them together, their way not just of teaching, but of being. And that's what Jesus is meaning earlier on in Matthew's gospel in chapter 12, where he says that my yoke is easy, my burden is light, in me you'll find rest for your soul. He's saying that in Jesus, in imitating him, in not just learning facts about him, but in following him, in emulating him, we find life and we find light. And we do so because the one that we are following is truly everything. 
we really, I love how Paul prayed it out in, in our worship time. Like he really is everything. There's nothing better than knowing Jesus. Actually, this great commission here, it's not just a Christian command. It's an invitation to follow the one that Matthew makes the very point of telling us is the Messiah, is the Son of God, is God with us, is the pearl of great price that is worth giving up our whole lives and everything we are to, to know and own and have. He's the kind employer who deploys us into his work. The king of the kingdom, the ruler, the shepherd, the savior. This is who Jesus is. He's done it all for us by giving himself on the cross, by willingly submitting to the father's will, by taking the punishment that we deserve for our sin, for our mess upon himself so we could go free and being raised to life to defeat Satan and defeat sin and defeat death. This is our salvation. And then he's formed a new community. That's us. That's the church. He's set us in a family and he's empowered us to go and change the world. And therefore, it makes absolutely no sense to have him as anything other than the one that we build our lives upon. Woe to us if Jesus is just a hobby or a social club. We have completely missed the mark if we are just Sunday Christians who live like the rest of the world and the rest of the week. I find it so sad when I see a person become spiritually limited or apathetic because it's not who Jesus has made us to be. We die to ourselves to follow him. Discipleship, as Austin was saying, is come follow me. We're on a journey of following him. We're on a great adventure of going where he leads and knowing him with us through the trials and the, and the challenges. I really appreciate um, ex examples in this area from um, some of the uh, people in our Grace Church family um, who are retired and um, recognizing that um, that definition spans uh, 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 two or three decades even. Um, I, just, I just love some of the examples that we, we have amongst us as Grace Church. I see many, many in this room. I mean, you um, saw Phil on the stage here, him and his wife, Judy, just regularly asking the question, what do we have and how can we share it with our church family? I love what that says about... Um, church community. You saw um, Hazel earlier. I love when you talk to Hazel, the wisdom and the evident prayerfulness that characterizes her life. Absolutely love it. I can see like Kathy over here, just wonderful in kind of her hosting and her hospitality and her kindness and warmth. You, you reflect Jesus in a wonderful, wonderful way, Kathy. And I, I could go on and list many, many others, but these guys have been following Jesus for decades and they do what they do because Jesus is worth our whole lives, is really worth orienting everything that we are, everything we decide to do around him. Now, when I am the same age as some of these guys, different ages as they are, I want to be like them. I, I want to be still in love with Jesus as I ever was. And I know that the key is putting him front and center right now in revolving life around him right now around his church, and knowing he is sufficient in all things. We're disciples. That's who Jesus has made us to be. But the second thing is that Jesus has made us to be. Again, this isn't us trying hard to achieve something. This is who we already are. The second thing is that we are a church who is community. The Grace Church is a church that is family. 
It's been really wonderful this week having um, Ben and Emily back amongst us. Um, ben leads the church here. Um, Emily's one of our senior leaders on the team as well. And just reflecting on some of their sabbatical, uh, Ben's leading a wedding today, which is why he's um, not around here uh, this morning. But um, one of the things that um, he's been living with is the preciousness and the value of church community. He, and he, he, I'm sure, will reflect um, kind of at other points, but just in stepping out of it to um, have a good kind of rest in God for, uh, for three months or so has just really kind of seen what it means to be part of a community by what he's missed by not being part of it. And he was just saying lots of interactions that he's had in that time, just seeing loads of people in the world that are kind of really trying to live for something, but it's just vapor without Jesus. It's just nothing without the purpose of being the people of God. And what he's missed is just the, like the people of God are going somewhere because of who their God is. The people of God are family together. They live the highs, they live the lows. They stand with one another. And it's, it's the same here. Like Jesus is speaking to a group of disciples. The you in this passage is plural. When Jesus says, um, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. It's, it's a plural you. And in speaking the church's mission into being in these words, it's an absolutely fundamental part of the plan that we do this in community, right? That we are family together helping one another to be those learners of the character and the life of Christ. In fact, just have a look at how it gets fulfilled even. You know, the disciples hear this commission, they go off, they start telling people about Jesus. And this is then evidence of them um, a few months later, kind of what they've taken this to mean and to do. In Acts chapter 2, it'll come up on the screen. And it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship is a, a Christian word of like being together as the people of God, enjoying our unity together in Jesus. To the breaking of bread, that's what we call communion, and the prayers. They were together. They did the things of God together. They learned to follow Jesus together. Guys, we really are not made to do the Christian life alone. We need one another. We really are not made to simply turn up and consume a church service. We are here as a community that thrives when we do it together. It's so sad when people's discipleship or devotional life or experience of church comes down to YouTube videos and personal revelation. They get very well convinced, but they don't get very well discipled. Now, we've each got a part to play ourselves individually, for sure, but we can't pass on to ourselves. You notice that? We can't do fellowship with ourselves. We can't take communion or baptize ourselves. We can't be accountable merely to ourselves. We're saved into a community by a God who is fundamentally relational in Himself Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Just let me take a, a side note for a moment, just to talk about. Um, some of the anxieties that, that can go with this. When we talk about church as family and we talk about doing things together, I, I recognize that actually for, for some people that there are um, just some really kind of tough things you're facing, whether that's to do with uh, being around uh, the number of people that are in this room today, for instance, whether that's um, finding uh, the formation of relationships difficult, um, whether that's feeling awkward speaking to people that you uh, don't know very well, whether that is something entirely different. And, and I just want to start by saying that these things are really, really common. 
We, we talk about these sorts of things all the time. We have conversations about these sorts of things. That you, if you are feeling some of those, that you are not alone, that it's not unusual, that it's okay to talk about it, which is to move on to say that there is space for you in the Grace Church family, because family means that no one is left behind. And it's why one of the most important times of our Sundays at Grace Church is after the meeting, because then we can include, then we can help one another to feel at home. Then we can help one another to know the security of church community. Now, for some, of, for some of us, maybe we will be feeling some of those anxieties a little bit less. And, and if, if that is you, just, just imagine, imagine this for a moment. I stole this from, from another preacher. Imagine that this room is your lounge. Some of you quite like a lounge the size of this room, I'm sure. But you are hosting a meal with all these people. Now, don't worry, the food has been provided. So concern number one, how on earth do I cook for all of these people? That's not entering this hypothetical example. Someone enters your lounge, your space, and people are chatting in the room, and you notice that someone in your lounge, there's no, no one's talking to them. How do you feel? Maybe a little bit strange? This is your lounge, this is your home. Maybe you feel like something's not quite right. Something's wrong here. Maybe he's even amped up like this is an out and out emergency. We want this person to feel welcome. If we're family together, imagine if we thought like that. That if our welcoming of one another reach beyond the borders of how socially confident we do or don't feel. If we took initiative. We had a welcome that allowed people space if they wanted to process, but inclusion where maybe they don't feel comfortable in initiating those conversations themselves. I think if, if that's how we thought, we would reflect the welcome of God that each of us have received, right? Who reached out to us when we were far off, when we were on the outside, when we were unable to bridge the gap. We have a Jesus-inspired duty to do this together, to look out for one another, which means there is space for everyone to be included. I was hearing a brilliant testimony this week of someone who um, has just been in a number of different contexts before where they've just felt very, very unwelcome, and yet stepping into Grace Church, their testimony was, Grace Church feels like family to me. Hallelujah. They can know the welcome of God through the welcome of his people which then is to say that family can look very different for different people. For some of us, the way that we express that we do this great commission together as community, we, we love doing it on Sundays. It's in the interactions, it's in the conversations, it's in the uh, introducing people to, to one another. But actually for some of us, it's in our homes. For some of us, the Sunday gathering perhaps is not our favorite context and we'd much rather sit down with someone over a, over a meal We'd love to give someone a cup of tea and, and ask them how they're doing. And that is family too. Some love to express the sense of family in their conversations. Some love to express the sense of family in their service. And I know we have some wonderful people in the life of the church that actually find it quite difficult kind of talking to people and they pour themselves into the life of the church in the way that they serve. And it's just a beautiful way of saying, we are together in this. We stand with one another. The point is, 
God has made you exactly how he wants you. And he wants to help you to become more like him. And you don't need to apologize if you don't feel the most outgoing of people or if right now you're going through a really, really tough time that just makes kind of starting off conversations difficult. If just showing up today is success for you, you are welcome. If you need to check out of conversations, you are welcome. If you need to leave early, you are welcome. If you need to just sit quietly, we love you. We're with you, as is Jesus. We battle our challenges together. And the wonder of the gospel is that you don't have to justify yourself. Isn't that incredible? It's the beauty of Grace Church being a church who is community, that we can help one another to be like Jesus. And because it's beautiful, then we see the third thing in action, which is that in this, in this passage, we see that we are a people living out their purpose. This is who Jesus has made us to be, a people living out their purpose, which is to say that this commission is what we were made for, the Great Commission. There was actually an original one. I wonder if you spotted it. It's a classic Bible, one big story, that there's threads that are going throughout the whole story that have led up to this point that continue on to the ends. But just look what's going on here. There's a group of people who are being formed like the God-man, Jesus, who are sent out at his word to fill the earth through producing or here discipling others that also look like him. And there's the promise of authority or dominion. Well, is of course Genesis chapter one, isn't it? This is what God has commanded his people to be from the very start. Genesis 1, it says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. This, is what, this commission is what God has called his people to do for all of time to spread his kingdom by creating or discipling others who reflect him too. He said the same to Noah. He said the same to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. We find him telling uh, his people, Israel, that they would be a kingdom of priests uh, to the world in Exodus 19. That is that they would represent God to the world and the world before God, that he would establish an everlasting kingdom of his people, that his glory and his justice and his wonders will fill the earth. And here he is, it's Jesus, speaking the church into being, the ones charged with filling the earth with the knowledge of the Lord. This is our commission, to take the wonders of all that we have seen God do, all that we know of him, to the places that God calls us to be. To the office, to the lecture hall, to the gym, to the cafe, even further afield as God calls. We, like Israel, are blessed to be a blessing right? Which is to say then that discipleship is both what gets put in and what also what comes out. That it's our roots down and it is also our fruit out. That humans are both created and create. That we are both discipled and we disciple. And quite often we'll hear in the life of Grace Church someone kind of articulating something to the effect, I would really love to be discipled. And that's a really important thing. And it's why we organize some of these um, structured things in Grace Church, like the Tuesday morning prayer gatherings, like men's discipleship groups, like women's prayer pots, as well as all the organic things that happen as well. But actually, the input is only just one side of what discipleship is. 
If it's just input without output, then we actually become a blockage, don't we? Now, I, I run a couple of discipleship groups in, um, in the life of the church, and uh, some with uh, some of the lads in youth, and uh, some with some of the, uh, our young adult guys. And I found that here's both been a hugely helpful thing for my own journey in prepping the material, sharing life together, hearing experiences of a time of life that is very different to mine, much as I might still think that I understand teen or young adult culture, it would appear that it's very much not the case. It grows me to be like Jesus, but it causes me to examine the why as we speak about the truths of Jesus into a different culture, a different context from my own from the, what, the, the one where I first learned them, that I better understand the things of God by having to explain them to other people who are not like me. But actually in this, I've also seen the thrill, the thrill of God. If this is what we were made to do, there should be something, the thrill of God as we disciple one another. I've seen people buzzing when they've just had a baptism chat with someone, just using the, the sheet that we use to kind of keep it simple. Some of our OTs last year, I remember them coming out of a baptism chat with someone using this sheet, just absolutely beaming because of the joy of Jesus that happens as we disciple one another. I've seen the delight in all parties as a group has sat down, opened the Bible and just asked, like, what does this tell us about who God is? And we just see Jesus afresh. I've seen the joys of breakthroughs come of people have sat down together with simple questions of, hey, what's God doing in your life right now? And it's led to prayer and it's led to the prophetic and it's led to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. I've seen the blessing as families and single people hang out together and both showing the other how to be and how to follow Jesus in lives that look very different. You know, as we, as we finish, sometimes we can think that our place in this great commission is in the go. And we'd be correct in that. We've sent people. But it's also in discipleship. It's in the teaching to obey his commands. It's over coffee, it's around the table, it's in the chats post-church, it's in the praying for others in home group. And in fact, if all we do is focus on reaching out, on the witnessing, the baptizing, as exciting as those things are, what gets produced is not disciples, but mere converts left to fend for themselves. So I want to leave you with these two questions as, as we finish the morning. In fact, before those, just if... if this morning you're in the room and you wouldn't say that you're a follower of Jesus, I want to issue you the invitation to come and follow the one that you were created to know, created to worship, created to follow. It will utterly transform your life. But for those of us that do follow Jesus, the two questions to go away this morning and have a think about would be this. Where is our input and where is our output? How are we learning Jesus and how are we teaching Jesus? As for some of us, maybe this is the encouragement that we need to join or attend our home group, to join a men's discipleship group, a women's prayer pod, to come along Tuesday morning whatever, and pray, whatever it might be. But we're meant to give out to. And so what is it that God's given you to share? Maybe it's your life in him. Maybe it's richness of doctrine or richness of life skills. Perhaps it's time, perhaps it's wisdom, maybe even it's painful experiences you've been through that could help to counsel others. And how are you passing those things on? Because all authority has been given to him. So we now lay down our lives to follow the one who laid down his life for us. 
I'm just going to pray for us as, as we close. Jesus, we thank you for this invitation, not just to come and learn facts about you, but to follow you, to be changed by being part of your people. I pray, God, that where there's things in our life that have not reflected a prioritizing of you, would you bring your perspective? Would you help us to place you in your right and proper place? I pray, Jesus, that we would know and experience your people as a true community, as a family that they're meant to be. And that in all of this, Jesus, we would know the thrill of being in the purpose for which you called your people to from the very start, to spread your glory throughout the earth, to become like you in the process, that we might see and know more of you as we wait for one day you to return, to transform all things and take us to be with you forever. We thank you so much for these things in Jesus' name. Amen.